Welcome, everybody. You are listening to The Life of an Educator, hosted by Matthew Gill. Hey team, and welcome to another episode of the Life of an Educator podcast. It's so great to have you along again as we are into season three. And today we dive into season three, episode four. Before we get to that, I just want to say thank you for being a part of this journey here in Canada. We just celebrated Thanksgiving uh, just this past week. And so I am so thankful for each and every one who would choose to spend some time listening to me, share about my education journey and about what I have learned and some stories that I have experienced. And so thanks so much for encouraging me by listening. This would not be possible if no one listened. And it is such an encouraging thing to see as I am over a year in, season three, many episodes, and yet downloads continue to rise. Number of people listening to each and every episode continues to increase. And that is just such a great feeling for myself who spends time to record and spends time editing and spends time to put this out into uh, the world on the website and uh, on different platforms. And so this doesn't work unless there are people who will listen. And uh, that is a testament to you for listening. So thank you so much. And I, I hope that this has been an encouragement to you. If it has, remember you can always get a hold of me through Instagram, direct message me through the podcast Instagram, and uh, I would love to be able to talk with you. But today we're going to jump into episode four of season three. If you haven't listened to the first three episodes, I would encourage you to listen to those first because I am kind of building from episode to episode on how I choose to develop my classroom and how I go from moment one to moment 65 in any given day. So in episode two, we talked about the first five minutes. In episode three, we talked about the next five minutes. And today we're actually getting to the point where new content is being delivered. We are now actually teaching the students something that they may or may not know. And so this is important that we do it well, that we do it as for teachers, that we do it in a way that is, yes, engaging, but also in a way that students can understand whether they are in grade one, grade eight, or grade 12. We want to present the information in a way that works. We want to present the information in a way that is accessible for all students. And obviously, this brings a challenge because everyone learns a little bit differently. Some are visual learners, some are tactile learners, some like to write, some like to hear, some like to listen, some like to touch. And so this presents a challenge to teachers in thinking about a way that is going to allow everyone to reach the goal of learning the content. Obviously, I teach high school math, so how I do it might be very, very different than someone who teaches grade two social studies, right? But it's important in general for those teachers who are listening to present it in a way that makes sense for the age level and the subject area and the grade that you are teaching. Teaching high school math 
sometimes it just has to be very direct instruction and very traditional in how I teach it because it is new. There is a process that needs to be followed. There are steps that need to be taken in order to get from point A to point B. And a lot of times that it's not going to work to present it in a way other than the teacher presenting the new material and then the student seeing it for the first time nice and slow as the teacher goes through it and then the students get a chance to explore and follow the process and the steps on their own. But there are many cases where you may allow the students to kind of explore and discover on their own a new concept or a new theme or topic because it's accessible to them and you can get them to discover new materials through activity. You can get them to discover new materials through exploration. You can allow them to discover new material uh, through more fun and more thinking and problem solving and less teacher to student instruction. And so there's not one size fits all here. There are ways to do it well and there are ways to do it not so well but again it's based on the students you have it's based on the content you are teaching it's based on the grade level that you are dealing with again because we have got got them engaged and confident through our previous five to ten minutes of allowing them to showcase their learning now they're ready to hear from you now they are ready to hear from the teacher and the new content that you have. And so for my experience teaching high school math, I dive into new content, which usually builds off of the content that we had just reviewed or just talked about. And and so I start there. I start with the content that we have just learned. I remind them of what they now know, and then we can build off of that. Now I'm not starting from zero. I'm starting from 20, right? they have that first 20% kind of already in their head. They're feeling good about that, and now I can just build on it a little bit. Now, teaching high school math, um, I do spend some time going through examples with the students, but what I've learned is I don't want to talk for very long. I don't want to be at the front of the room blabbing away for any more than 10 to 15, maximum 20 minutes without allowing the students to engage back with me. Because as we know with teenagers and children and really anyone in today's society and generation that we live in, is we are not people who are going to sit in one space and hear someone talk for too, too long. It's one of the reasons that I try and make these episodes between 20 and 25 minutes because I know that that's a good time if those of you who are traveling to and from work, um, for those of you who are maybe doing dishes, for those of you who are doing some chores around the house, or for those of you who just have maybe a half an hour of free time in their day, this amount of time for this podcast works for you. We don't want to necessarily be doing something of the same type for too, too long. And so it's the same thing with students. And with children, if anything, they have less of an ex- of an attention span and we need to be even more cognitive of the fact that we need to be switching things up. We need to be asking them to do something new uh, each and every few minutes. 
I heard this once, I don't know if it's scientific or not, but the age of the child is how many minutes that they have your attention for. So if you're teaching grade one or grade two and the child is seven years old, you have seven minutes of their time and of their attention before you need to switch things up. Because after seven minutes of the same thing, of the same task, of hearing the same person, that's too long for them and they are now not listening anymore. So I have tried to take that as teaching high school. I teach 15 to 16 year olds. And so I have 15 or 16 minutes of their time before I have to switch things up or uh, before they have tuned me out or are daydreaming or are annoying their partner or appear beside them or are staring off into space and not paying attention. And so how I do that is by only teaching a couple examples at a time before I give it back to the students for them to showcase their learning again, right? I will go through, again, I'm teaching math, so this is my math perspective here. But I will go through and teach an example of a math problem that is the outcome that we are learning for that day. And I will go nice and slow and I will ask the students to help me get through it if it's things that are applicable to them, right? Often when I'm teaching high school math, yes, there's a new high school concept that I'm teaching, but really it still reviews all of the junior high skills that they have learned as young preteens and teenagers. And so I still engage with them, right? If I'm doing a grade 10 or 11 math problem, but as part of that question, it involves seven times eight, I will allow the kids to answer that because that is previous knowledge that they already know. And they will all reply 56 out loud to me and we continue on. It keeps them engaged. I'm not just talking without them responding. They are helping me through the concepts that are at their level that they already have in their back pocket. The new concepts, I'm not expecting them to necessarily know. I might ask them if I feel like they could bridge to that new concept, but if I don't feel they can get there, that's okay. I'm doing more of a direct teaching style, but I always make sure I'm engaging with students. If they can give me prior knowledge, I allow them to share that. If I feel that they can reach up and and get to that new concept, I allow time for them to think about it so that they are not just hearing Mr. Duick, the teacher, talk, but they are able to respond back with their voice and with their thoughts. And so I'll go through a couple of examples, maybe 10 minutes, and then I say, okay, it's your turn. And in my math booklets, it actually says your turn on the page. And now I let them go back to their notebooks and back to their whiteboards. And they are now practicing what I had just shown them. It is immediate from me now to the student, and now the student gets to try with the teacher now walking around the room, giving tips, helping them out, making sure that they are on task, and seeing if they can now do the problem on their own. Now, obviously, we're still practicing, so all of this is learning. It's all part of the learning stage. I have students who don't get it this first time, right, because it's new. I have students who get it right away because they maybe have a little bit more of a math brain than someone beside them. But this is the trial and error stage. Mistakes are made. I go around and remind students, oh, don't forget that step. Remember when I showed you this part? And 
And so they get to see that it's okay to make mistakes. It's one of the reasons we use the whiteboards because they can erase right away with uh, their cloth. And they are doing the trial and error, guess and check, making mistakes, trying to learn this new concept. It's not going to happen on day one. And so I'll give them some time to practice. And then I'll go back to the board after 10 or so minutes. So notice 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Now we're into the third, maybe 10 minute chunk. And I now do a new example. Now, depending on the concept, it might be the same kind of example that we did before, but I'll just interrupt them and do a new example to have them see me do it again. Again, to get the learning to go a little bit deeper into their brain. Or I might be adding another layer at this point, depending on how how the first example went. I might be adding another layer now. So yes, we still learn. We still do what we just learned, but now I am going to add the next step. I will show them the next step. I will show them the new material. Again, one or two examples, 10 minutes. And then the fourth section of this 10 minute time frame is then when I give it back to them and they will try again and they will do more examples, more your turn practice, where again, it's engaging. They can talk with their peers. They can talk with me as their teacher. They can be going back into their notes and looking at what we have just done together as a group. And they are now being able to take my knowledge that what I have shown on the board, on the screen, and they are now attempting through practice, through questions, through talking with their peers of how to get it into their brain. And that's how a class would go for me in my math classroom. 10-minute chunks of me teaching, then practicing, me teaching, then practicing, me teaching, then practicing, There's always a constant flow in the room. There's never a dull moment because if I'm teaching, I'm still allowing the students to engage, right? But I have more of the authority in that moment. But then when I allow it to be their turn and they're now practicing, they have the authority now. They're the one doing the learning and I am now the support. And now I'm, you know, jumping in when I feel is necessary. But they're the ones, you know, leading the class. They're the ones on their whiteboards practicing, and they're now referring to me if they need me. And so it's a great, what I have found is it's a great back and forth. The students have ownership. The students feel that they're a part. The students have the opportunity to still know that there is a superior adult in the room who knows the content, but a lot of them don't need me. Once I do my quick examples, they're off and they're practicing and they're good and they don't need me to hover over them. They don't need me to continue to be up on the board speaking over them with more questions and more questions. And so, but yet if there is a student who needs more support, if those one or two examples weren't enough for them, I can go and sit with them and I can help them out for a minute or two and give them some tips, give them maybe a different way of explaining it, and then they are able to go and try another one on their own. I make sure I give lots of examples so that for those who are a little bit faster and are a little bit more comfortable, they will get through all of the practice your turn questions. For those who maybe only get through five, that's totally fine. That's five questions that they did not do uh, before that. So this is a great way for students to be engaged, for students to be interact, 
did with for students to have ownership of the time. Um, when I went through to, through high school uh, between tw- 2009 and 2011 is when I was in high school, the teacher taught for 45 minutes and then we maybe had five or 10 minutes to start our homework if we if we desired to. And so it was very, very different. The engagement was different. We sat and we took notes. And there was no way for the teacher to know if I was understanding it or not. There was no way for the teacher to know if I had any recollection of what she was saying. The style that I use in my math classroom, and again, I know I'm speaking heavily with math because that's my expertise, but this works with any subject area. This works with any grade level. Right, Pick activities that work in that 10 to 15 minute slot and then switch it up. Or if you have to do some direct teaching, do it and then switch it up. Let the kids have ownership and let them go around and do different stations or do different activities or go into small groups and have them rotate around the room, do a gallery activity. There's lots of different ideas out there. But what this allows is for students to have time to practice. What I didn't get as a high school student is I didn't get time to practice in class time. It was all homework. It was all outside of my class time. And one thing that I am trying to recognize as a teacher is students are busy. Students have lives outside of school, believe it or not. Many students are involved in extracurricular activities. Students have families. Students have friends. Students have hobbies. Students need downtime, right? When students are in school, this is their job. They are expected to be at school from 9 till 3.30 every single day, Monday to Friday. It's the same thing as me. My job is the same. I'm expected to be at work a little bit before 9, and I'm expected to be there till 3.30. So when I go home, I'm done my day. And yet I'm expecting my students to do homework. And so we would need to be careful as educators that we understand that these are kids, that they are meant to be kids, that they are meant to have fun. I'm not saying I am not a believer in homework. But what I am saying is if because I allow my students to practice in class, to be live in their learning in class, if a student doesn't have a chance to do their homework, they have still had practice with the content that has been taught. Whereas if I had just taught for 45 minutes and hadn't given them hadn't given them a chance to engage with me in practice in learning the new material, they go home, they don't do their homework, they come back, and all all they have seen is me doing the concept. They have not been able to try it yet on their own, and yet I am going to be moving on to a new concept. Whereas if I teach, they practice, I teach, they practice, I can see live in the room what's going on. I can see who's getting it and who's not. I can see who uh, is needing some extra support and who is going on their own. And I have guaranteed that every single student in my class has practiced. Whether they do homework later or not, every single student has done a minimum of questions in front of me. And so I can see that the learning is transferring from my brain to theirs. I can see that the content is going from the screen up front to the work on their page, to the whiteboard in front of them. And again, as we learned in last episode, tomorrow we're going to start with what we had just done in the last so many minutes. 
So what I now taught in the last 40 minutes, 10 me, 10 them, 10 me, 10 them, that's where we start the next day. So the next day I engage with them. How's everyone doing? How are we feeling? Any exciting things happening in our lives? And then that review time that we learned in the last episode, I start right there. Okay, everyone, remember what we learned yesterday? Let's practice that again. And so now, if they have done homework, they're feeling more confident. Even if they haven't had a chance to do homework, they are able to remember what they did yesterday or maybe have one little quick hint from a peer or myself as a teacher, and now they're reviewing again. Now I've had two straight days of them doing this concept. And then later on, I will build on a new concept later on in that class, right? Now, I haven't gotten into any assessment talk yet, and we'll do that later on probably this season. But they will get this concept yet again. Now the first time for marks, later on, a couple days later, when I give them what I call a checkpoint, which is a quiz-type task that is individual. And so notice all of this learning right now is all practice. There's no marks given. There's no right or wrong in terms of going on your report card. This is all practice. This is all learning. We are still a couple days away before I will give them an individual piece of paper that will test them on whether they actually have learned it or not or and whether they actually understand the outcome that has been presented. So we'll get to that assessment talk in a bit. But I hope this has been encouraging and helpful to see that kids need to be engaged. Kids need to be wanting to learn the material. And one of the ways we do that is by giving them some ownership, giving them some time to actually be able to learn it, right? Students don't all the time want to be just listening to someone talk and talk and talk. There needs to be interaction. There needs to be back and forth. There needs to be times where the teacher is quiet and the students are talking. And there needs to be time, yes, when the teacher is talking and the students need to be quiet. But we need to let that go back and forth, right? The students need to lead at times in your classroom. The students need to be the ones discovering the students need to be the ones to learn. The students need to be the ones to explore. As the teacher, I know the content, right? So if I'm the only one talking, if I'm the only one showcasing the work, well, of course it's accurate. I've done this. I know it. I'm an expert in this field. It's the students that need to have the hand-on experience. They're the ones who don't know it yet. They're the one who is discovering. They're the one who is trying to get from the basic level now to a deeper level. And so we need to allow that to happen as educators. We need to give them time to discover, explore, ask questions, struggle, make mistakes so that the learning actually happens. So that after you have done it for a few times, now they're starting to get into the habit of, oh, that's how that works. Oh, that makes sense. And then they're getting that repetition so that it goes from their short-term memory into their long-term memory. So I could keep going. Uh, I'm getting into this uh, exciting time of how um, students go from not knowing to knowing. But I'm looking at the clock and we do need to wrap this up. And so I hope this is encouraging of how to deliver just a small taste of how to deliver new content 
to your students. Uh, students, if you're listening, I hope this makes sense that, yeah, this this is how my brain works. I need some time to practice. I need some time to discover for myself. And uh, so thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for being a part. We are back in two weeks yet again. And so I am looking forward to that. And we'll see you next time. Continue to be awesome. Continue to just live a life that is passionate about learning and about discovering new things. See you next time.